0: doot <laughs> doot To CITR Radio one hundred one point nine FM, broadcasting from Unceded Musqueam Territory in Vancouver. This is the Arts Report. Here with your host, Ileana, our beautiful correspondent. Hello, Hello. guys. <laughs> I'm here again, and, <laughs> <laughs> hopefully. Uh, and we're joined today by a really interesting guest. If you want to introduce yourself, uh, sure. Uh,
1: my name is Daylin Lester Serafini. Um,
0: I like how you say the last thing. You know,
1: you just if you're a theater student, you have to add as much flair as possible to everything. <laughs> um, yeah, so I'm a final year student uh, in UBC Theater um, BFA program, and yeah, so we're doing our show Much Do About Nothing. Uh, yeah.
0: yeah, and you're playing Beatrice in About yes. Oh <gasps> my god. <laughs> yeah
1: it's it's been a really fun process. She's a fantastic character to play. I think she's so.
0: You can probably attest to this.
1: Uh, she's really fun and um, witty and sassy, but also direct. And she's a very strong. She's a really strong woman, um, just in herself. And I think that's I like pretty
0: that. cool. Yeah, it's
1: it's a fun type of character to play. It really makes you stand up in yourself while you're playing the character.
0: So. I think that's cool.
1: Yeah,
0: I, that's actually one of was going to be my my first question was like, what do you like playing? Oh, how do you <laughs> like playing? <her laughs> and you just like went off on. I'm like, that's awesome. <laughs> I really love this character. There we go. Um, and uh, from like the bio that we got, to, uh, that we were seeing with you, you enjoy Shakespeare plays. Yeah. Yeah, I think I grew up. Um, I don't know first started
1: I guess like reading them at school we all read them in a lot of English classes um but I remember starting to go see Shakespeare and I just kind of fell in love with it and I did a bunch of um young Shakespeareans and young theater Shakespeare theater troupes, um and I just really loved it I don't know there was something about it the the language that was very kind of intoxicating um in a weird way
2: (laughs) there's a there's a ten dollar word
1: um (laughs) Just in that I think it's, there's so much that's there. Like our director says all the time, she's like, you could keep doing Shakespeare for 10 years, you could do one play for 10 years, and you still wouldn't get everything that's in there. Um, so that's, that's what's really cool, and what's so fun about seeing a play more than once is that you can find so much more than you expected, or it'll be so different from the last time you saw it, or you'll get a joke you didn't get last time,
0: so it's it's really fun, yeah. Yeah, and especially like with the Shakespearean plays, I feel like a lot of the jokes aren't you. You gotta like just see them in person, yeah, to
3: like really get them. Like
0: it's it's one thing reading it. Oh yeah, but like also watching it, it's like
3: oh. And also, you have to remind, like, keep in mind that a lot of, like Shakespeare's play don't Shakespeare's plays don't <laughs> have um, any stage directions like the. The actual plays like most of it is added by the director. So like if you actually don't see the play on stage, you're missing out on a huge chunk of it.
1: Oh yeah, and so <laughs> especially in this play, there's so much wordplay. It's so much about like catching each other's words and and twisting them and changing them and and a lot of puns. So <laughs> well, it's <laughs> for those pun lovers out there.
0: This is your this
1: is your play. <laughs> so it's it's really fun because then you get to see that and you see the characters like when they see the word that they want to use they go oh yeah
0: that's it I got it <laughs> uh, so what's your favorite shakespeare play i know i know this is like put you on the it's spot right so now. it's so difficult and
1: i'm i'm going to sound like a total nerd do um, it, do it, do it. okay for language i love romeo and juliet just because i think the flowing for plot it's a little oh. <laughs> but um but just the language of it is so beautiful to listen to and there're just so many passages where i'm like i could just listen to this on an audiobook all day. Um, Midsummer Night's Dream was the first play I ever did, so it holds a really soft spot in my heart. My favorite play. <laughs> yeah, I think, and then, um, I think Mackers is another one Mackers. that I really
0: love. Ooh, I don't know The The Scottish play. So, oh, yeah.
1: Yeah, we don't, you know, it's a curse within theater. You don't say, you don't say the name of the play. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. But I think it's just, yeah, there's there's so much there, and again, kind of a really cool, complex Female character. No one's really good. No one's really evil. But there's so much going on. So if I had to pick a top three, I guess <laughs> <I'd pick laughs> those would be the three. I
0: guess those. Yeah, we love nerdies. Mm-hmm. Like nerd Do out. It. <laughs> <laughs> Thank, like, you. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. I'm like, uh, it's it's fun. And with this play, this is much ado about nothing, you guys are doing like a modern retelling of it, oh, which is yes. an interesting kind of twist. I think. I, I honestly. I like, I'm always kind of like split on modern retellings because I do like the like putting it into uh, it uh, into like the modern world. I'm sorry, I'm just like looking at Luna <laughs> right now. She's making so many movements and you just I'm can't see all of it. How
1: is that? I guess I think I like what's fun about it is that some of the stuff that is hard to grasp um, being in 2018, like a lot of of kind of heavy. Um, marriage stuff or religion or kind of old old world ideas you get to kind of look at the play with a fresh perspective and go okay well we're looking at it now Uh, and what does this mean to us now and what is that line how would you say that just as you which is a very difficult challenge as an actor
0: yeah with,
1: um, with Shakespeare language but it's really cool because you it just makes you realize more that Shakespeare that these stories are timeless in a way and that you know there I think there are things in this show that really can relate to a lot of people and a lot of people can find moments that you go oh my god that's from my life like they're just (laughs) um which is really cool and our our amazing director Lois Anderson um she's fantastic uh she's worked at Bard for years um and she's really just getting us to dig into in a scary process, being ourselves as the characters uh, and bringing that kind of realism in so you really get to think about how you would take these situations and, and what they would be in your life. So I think it's cool. It's very fun. It's fun to do something that's, like, that's modern and you're, you can relate to it more. Yeah. yeah.
0: And you guys are, like, soccer cat. Oh, like, <laughs> yes. It's a, it's a soccer, <laughs> like, setting in a way. Yeah, I think it was co- I mean, um
1: yeah, it's in it's in Venice, it's in Italy. So it bring it ties in a lot of those like family community ideas. And then instead of all the men going off to war, they've all gone off to the soccer championships, and they're coming <laughs> home. Um, so that's been very fun for all the sports boys in my class. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they're having a ball with
0: that. Uh, um, pun intended. <laughs> yes, exactly.
1: <laughs> um, so I think that's yeah that's been a cool different thing
0: has there been i'm just curious this is like a very random question on the soccer thing but has any has there been like a part of the play when they have to like do like a uh, interact with a soccer ball in some way
1: oh yeah well there's one character um you'll see him in the very beginning of the show uh and he always carries his soccer ball around it's been really fun Um, because he doesn't actually play. I love
2: those.
1: (laughs) Or like, or he, uh, but he's been, he's been practicing and it's been so fantastic. But he gets to, he expresses everything with his soccer ball, which is really fun. Like just in that very soccer player way where he carries it around all the time. And like when he's upset, he'll throw it. Um, (laughs) So our director has been getting the boys to play with that um and even some of the other characters were slowly adding in a little bit more to have fun with it and play with it so it's
0: yeah it's going to be it's going to be cool that's so much fun i just like remember a play i think was also kind of soccer that had to uh do like an intricate thing with their soccer ball and i was like oh man i wonder if this plays <laughs> is and you're just like thank
1: god thank god it's not me okay
0: that's fine as long as i don't have to be on a soccer team i'm, I'm good um so you've been Uh, doing, like, a lot of uh, plays uh, throughout this kind of year here, and especially with uh, UBC, Um, what has been one of your favorite kind of roles that you've done? I'm so sorry. A lot of these... (laughs) She's making me pick my favorite children. (laughs) I I know. I think I saw you in the... um, she kills monsters. I are, don't know what one. Yes. I remember.
1: Yes. Well, I was gonna say, that was probably one of my favorite shows that I've ever done. It was so much fun. And I think, um, in a funny coincidence, I keep getting cast as very evil characters, which are <laughs> so much fun, but I get so many people meeting me and going, You're not really like your character. And I'm like, I'll take that as a compliment, thank you. I'm an, actor. <laughs> I'm an actor. Um, but it's that was so much fun and and so much. It was so physical. Um, that was the real challenge with that show. Um, so playing like not only an evil character um, and something kind of fun to dig into, but also just like all the fights. And it was a really big, fun, um, fun show. And then I think with this show, it's been it's been really cool. Beatrice is a very exciting challenge. Um, um, but I think what's so nice is that my class gets to do the show all together. Um, oh. As we're graduating this year, so this is our dedicated show. So, getting to be just with my class and spending some time because we all spend about nine hours a day together. <laughs> so <laughs> lots of time, but exactly, yeah. But it's it's very nice to feel like we're in this show all together and really building it as an ensemble. And kind of bittersweet that it's it's probably gonna be one of our last shows altogether but I love that part of it I think as a group and and as a team just growing as a cast and feeling like you're building the show together is a really cool
3: part I feel like there's gonna be a lot of crying when you get to the end of it (laughs) oh my god I don't even want to think about it.
1: yeah eventually oh yes oh yes I'm sure we just keep going no let's just
0: not think about it yet we'll we'll think about it later um
3: I'm really excited. <laughs> yeah, about I'm really this excited
0: show. too. I, l- I really do love Much do About Nothing. It's such a fun play to go see and even like to read about. Um, yeah. uh, with Beatrice, I'm sorry. Like a lot of my questions are like all over the place. No, yeah, <laughs> no, go for it. Um, with Beatrice, is there like a was there like a part in the play that you felt like you had a hard time in it with her role, or is there just like do you feel just like you kind of know her so well that you're? Oh
1: right? gosh, it's funny because my. Our director is really um, helping me bring her closer to myself. And that's.
0: Uh, yeah, an that's what I was wondering. It's yeah. an interesting
1: process because um, sometimes you feel like you play all these big characters and you have to go into the character. And so it was a very different process going, no, like, bring her down, um, ground her, um, which I think has made, is part of what makes this play really cool, uh, is that all of these characters are really getting a chance to just be real people and that's a really cool challenge in itself um yeah i think some of the some of the scenes are are, are tricky but that's what that's what i love about as you get to dig in um there's a scene after a wedding scene uh that's very <laughs> juicy and that was really fun and and um a lot of work um in a good way um but with my uh with the the gentleman who's playing benedict that was very fun for us to try and figure out the re- like the, the depth of that relationship that's in there. So Yeah. I think this <laughs> this whole process has been really
2: has uh, it's cool. been fun. Yeah. It's been
1: really fun. It's it's hard work, but it's it's so much fun and I think there's just so much joy and, and awkwardness and excitement in the show itself, um, that really makes it that much more exciting.
3: And I guess it's time like Sadly. we're close, <laughs> yeah, because oh, okay. it's almost... I have to go back to rehearsal, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> where
0: I spend all of my time. Yeah, we were able to get her for like a short time. <laughs> um, so Much of do About Nothing is uh, going to be happening at the Friedrich Wood Theater, and it's going on from November the 8th to November the 15th.
1: Oh, it's even longer. Oh my God, wait. Did I'm... Andrea give me the... <laughs>
0: oh, oh no, it's... November the 23rd. So sorry. I'm... There we go yeah, okay, I was I'm like, sorry. I think I was like, oh my god, did we change our? No, 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 never mind. I'm very. Uh, I was. I'm like looking at the website right now, and it was like, show more. And I pressed show more, <laughs> and then it had another show more. <laughs> so yeah. it's going on from November 8th to November 24th, much much longer than the 15th. There we go. That's good. It's good. It'll put us through our paces as actors. <laughs> yeah. uh, that'll be really fun. It's because it's so long. It'll be fun to kind of see if like maybe it'll evolve as you're going on oh yeah oh i'm sure oh man <laughs> i know i, I kind of so. want to watch it like the first time so happens, and then the last,
1: and then the last one <laughs> those are usually the most fun shows if you can come to opening or closing but it's, it's fun to see the
0: evolution it's, yeah. it's something
1: really different so awesome yeah
0: cool well thank you so much for coming i was so happy to have thank you here you. thank
1: you for having me thanks for letting me nerd out of yes, course you, you can always
3: nerd me. out this is like the safe space for nerds <laughs> <laughs> like yes we're always encouraging nerding out that's what i need yeah
0: <laughs> So uh, we're just gonna do since our ad break is until five twenty. Uh, we'll just talk a little bit about kind of just me and Lua just talking about our Shakespearean plays. Amazing. <laughs>
3: Thanks yeah. again. Actually, the thing is, like, the reason I love Much Ado About Nothing, I love um, I love Mids- uh, A Midsummer Night's Dream, but Much <laughs> Ado About Nothing is my favorite because of the characters. Because I love the relationship between Benedict and Beatrice and how smart and how fully developed she is as a female character. Because she's Mm -hmm. one of the few female characters in the Shakespearean plays that is like so complete. And I love that about her. And my favorite line, I can't actually recite it because (laughs) it's Shakespearean language and I always forget. But my favorite line is from that play and it's basically like, shut up and if you can't shut up, I'll just kiss you. (laughs) <laughs> and then i'll wow, shut up what with a, my mouth what a, what a strong line it's a great line it's like something about it's something like um close your lips or i don't know it's, it's something weirdly phrased but it means like shut up and if you can't shut up i'll kid i'll shut up we, i'll shut you up with my mouth That's, yeah i, really I like, like it I, and she's the one that says it which makes me like yes do <laughs> which it. makes you like,
0: it even more. You're like i love this stuff um, we're gonna, let's, oh, no, we don't have enough time. <laughs> uh, I was gonna do a little interview. We'll do that on our, uh, kind of after the ads and PSAs, but honestly, I really do love Much Ado About Nothing. A lot of Shakespearean comedies are kind of my favorite. They're just, yeah. <laughs> a, they're just a lot more fun, and I definitely feel like with actors, especially seeing that stuff, uh, on stage, I think it's a lot more fun and a lot like you get it more and it's just like it, it's all it's always gonna be really different, yeah. Which is always like interesting. Like one joke, one joke will be like you're able to catch that on really quick, and then sometimes I'm watching a, a Shakespeare play and I'm like, I didn't get the joke. <laughs> it's like yeah, okay,
3: it's something I- about language. Haha, <laughs> ha, cool. <laughs> I don't know, but I'm here for it. <laughs> but a complete different transition. Do you know what's in a week? In exactly one week,
0: what's in exactly one week? Halloween, (laughs) Halloween exactly.
3: (laughs) We're excited. (laughs) I'm so excited. Halloween is my Christmas, guys.
0: (laughs) Who doesn't love Halloween?
3: A lot of people actually, but no, (laughs) it's it's like I love Halloween and like everything about it. And I'm going to fart nights tonight, which should be exciting.
0: Dang! Oh, that's good. Because I was trying. I'm
3: trying. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to avoid Saturday. (laughs) Friday that and Saturday. Is super smart. Because last year I went on four rides because it was so packed. Yeah. And I was like, I I don't want to do that this year because I actually want to enjoy my time there. <laughs> you know. I want
0: to have a good time.
3: <laughs> I don't want to spend my entire time in lines.
0: I definitely understand that. I think I also uh, I think I got like a fast pass or anything for like the, for the. Uh, haunted mm-hmm, mm-hmm, houses mm-hmm. and stuff which was really cool um oh yeah i'm really excited for halloween <laughs> and there's so much halloween stuff happening too so yeah. that'll be really interesting after after halloween it's then it's like comedy <laughs> streets yes. and much do about nothing
3: and then we have we also have silent night uh ubc opera coming up oh yes we do yes um we have what else is coming up borderline which is the interview we're going to have after the PSA break that is a dance show which is really interesting and you guys should check it out Is also coming up um yeah. there is the black piece coming up as well that's also another dance mm-hmm. one and
0: yeah yeah we have a, a lot more to show you and talk about especially uh I have a very interesting after our interviews I have a very interesting thing about a VR experience which is yeah (laughs) VR is always really interesting so uh we'll get back to you on that well here's some ads and PSAs we'll be right back see ya
3: are you starting fresh this year and looking for new exciting activities to do with friends on campus did you watch theater in high school and now miss it Feeling overwhelmed and need a break? Come and escape to another world through thrilling live performance right on campus. Celebrate with us the 60th anniversary of UBC Theatre and Films 2018-19 season. <laughs> Still need more convincing? It's only 11.50 for UBC students with your card and bring your ticket into Kerners after the show to get 10% off your food. Check out theatrefilm.ubc.ca today.
1: musical theater troupe. We aim to provide the joys of musical theater to everyone on campus. Whether it be by participating in our productions, joining our band, or working backstage, we welcome all levels of experience.
0: Check us out on Facebook for more information.
2: 525,600
0: minutes. Hello, guys. We're going to do an interview with Jim Smith on Borderline with uh, Lua. So I hope you guys enjoy that. It'll be really, really interesting.
3: Hey, everyone. This is Lua. Um, I'm so happy to be here. And today we're going to talk to Jim Smith, the Dance House Artistic Director, about a new show coming up called Bar- Borderline. So, hey, Jim. You can say every- hi to everyone.
4: Hi, everyone. Pleasure to be here with you all. My name is Jim Smith, as you've heard, and I'm the co founder and artistic and executive, executive director of Dance House.
3: So, Jim, about Borderline, um, it is a very interesting piece, um, and it was choreographed in 2003. Is this going to be a remaking of it, or is this completely new, like, completely uh, the first time in Vancouver?
4: Uh, this will certainly be the first time it's seen in Vancouver, but the work has been uh, touring in all of these years since it's been made. It's actually had quite an active life, uh, running into many places around the world, and um, we're particularly particularly pleased that it's going to finally make its way here to Vancouver.
3: That's awesome. And it is a, uh, it tries, this borderline from what I've seen in the trailers and everything I've read, it seems very different regarding its approach to dance, For example, the dancers using cables um, to get that high jumps and all that different movements. Could you tell us a little bit more about how that works?
4: I would say that I completely agree that that tension between, uh, and I would circle around the notion of gravity, is very much at play in this work, and certainly where the... um, you know where much of the uh, dynamic or contrast within the different styles that make up the piece are present there's uh, a certain level of hip hop b boyism in it which is of course very weighted to the ground and then there is this sort of aerial work which uh, comes from a balletic sort of notion of you know anti-gravity and um, performers who are lifted off as if there is no gravity pulling them down at all so in that space in between these two different approaches to uh, movement and approaches to weight and gravity is part of what I think is the real interesting turn uh, from a dance perspective as it relates to Borderline.
3: I'm really excited to um, see this. It sounds very, very interesting and a little bit outside of dance. It's um, I feel that it's a little bit of a mixture of dance and something else. Um, would you agree with that or is it me <laughs> just...
4: Uh, no, I, I mean, you know, for me, I think uh, dance is often put into a very reductive state when uh, really dance is one of those forms that, um, you know, it, it pulls on so many different aspects of creative expression. Uh, yes, there's the physical aspect of dance itself, but certainly this piece is, you know, quite informed by some conceptual ideas. Uh, there's the lighting, of course, that comes to bear. And, of course, they, you know, the cautioned in a way that sort of puts them into a different world. So I... I would say that uh, like uh, hopefully most of the dance house performances, it has a wide range and speaks beyond just the physicality of dance, but, you know, creates another world in many ways that is um, total in itself and uh, invites, you know, invites us all in to sort of, you know, forget the world we're in and think about another world.
3: Awesome. (laughs) uh, That sounds really amazing. And considering all the very difficult themes borderline tries to touch on regarding democracy and immigration and belonging Um, it is a very current piece although um, it was written and made in 2013 Um, however these themes are also very hard to convey just in general and with dance I would imagine even harder so could you tell us a little bit more of how the dancers come into play to touch on these themes how it's portrayed how it's convey to the audience?
4: Um, Well, I I want to start off with your first point, which I think is a very interesting thing about, you know, you know, being in the art world or um, work from the art world. And that is how uh, something emerges, a piece of work you know, emerges at a moment in time and then how the world changes around it and immigration is certainly something that's undergone profound change since 2003 and how it becomes, for me, really interesting about how works end up reading very differently as we as viewers are potentially in a different time and space than where the work may have originally been created or where it was intended. So that's just a little bit of an aside. (laughs) That I think, you know, when we view all work, noting the date and the time and the place that it came from can often, you know, inform certainly the intention of the work. But then, of course, uh, it's to be provocative, hopefully in a timeless fashion, so that even the world that we're in right now, when we look at it, we can see our, you know, aspects of our world or be provoked to think about the world that we live in in a slightly different way. And certainly the hybridity of the work, um, referring to the very diverse nature of um, the artist and the selves. So, Hanji is uh, both uh, Korean and French, and then Sebastian is, um, pardon me, uh, Korean and German, and Sebastian is French and Spanish. And so, this notion of, you know, being not from nationhood or being somewhat placeless is underlying who they are as artists, and certainly it, it transforms in this work that they're doing. Now, you know, zooming out from their particular story, And looking at how migration is going on in our current world, it becomes interesting. I think to sort of think about diversity, think about people, think about how we put them in place, and you know, I think the work sort of questions: Do we need? You know, how how relevant, how current is that on a human level? And I think that's sort of underlying one of the underlying tenets of the work itself.
3: Interesting. Um, I'm. I'm like. I really think that dance is an amazing way to express oneself. And it takes on so much more power sometimes than words um, because of its physicality. And um, also, I know that the dancers, they do have to play a very important part, and especially in this piece, um, because they all have their own particular connections to the themes of borderline regarding immigration and belonging and their societies, correct? Correct. And so how is the process of selecting the dancers like, um, considering how important they are for the, for the piece to actually come together?
4: I c- couldn't speak a lot to that, only because, of course, I'm not the creator of the work, and so that would really be a question best put to... Um the choreographers, the real creators of the work. Um, it's a very specific uh, type question that I, I would only be you know, guessing with sort of the, you know, the process they went through, the criteria of how they were you know, approaching it. And who knows whether or not um, you know, those criteria or those issues, the way that you and I have thought about them, have actually, inform their process. So I, I hope it sounds like I'm, you know, <laughs> trying to slip off of a hard question. It's just more that I wasn't really there to be able to speak to, you know, the process in terms of how they arrived at who the performers were.
3: No, that's totally understandable, and I was really hoping to get an answer. But it's totally. I also understand that the choreographer would have um, the final say in that. Um, but. Um, Regarding the post-genre and the hybridity of um, the work itself, could you elaborate on that, and what exactly is post-genre?
4: Well, I think that we live in an age, uh, particularly in the dance world, where terms such as contemporary dance or ballet have, I won't say lost their meaning, because they certainly have a meaning. But their meaning has been blurred or challenged or changed in a way that um, it probably doesn't have the same sort of purest notion that it would have one point in time in the past. And, I, and, you know, really, I'm thinking about the word ballet, which was, you know, from my way of thinking, certainly in the world that I grew up, uh, when you use the word dance, often ballet was a stereotypical image, unless outside of social dance, that sort of came to mind. These days, you know, unless you're working with ballet in a very classical setting that is trying to create work of a very stylistic period that is historic in many ways, not saying that doesn't have any relevance in today's world, but certainly comes from a different place in time. Ballet has taken on a much more elastic um, meaning in many ways. I often think that ballet has become, you know, a form of training, uh more so than even an approach to style i mean we hear about contemporary ballet for example or story ballet so ballet you know that's just one term or one stylistic word that i sort of try to illustrate that elasticity the same is true with contemporary dance even if we were to talk about street dance or hip-hop again these terms have become blurred and i think it's very healthy because rather than putting hard edges or putting people into boxes in terms of the work that they do, which, again, is very reductive, I would say, um, the blurring of the lines just allows for you know all forms of physical expression to sort of come forward, and well, we as humans are busy trying to categorize them because it helps us to communicate and analyze and be able to share in that work, certainly I would say the artists that I know, the dance artists that I know, think less and less about identifying themselves in a particular genre and rather on or are much more on a pursuit of just trying to explore movement in a broader sense of the term.
3: Yeah, I absolutely agree. I think dance has t- is taking on new forms constantly, and I'm really happy Borderline is like taking that on and being like, We are going to go past that. I think it's absolutely fascinating. And we'll hopefully i hope i wish to see it oh hopefully become something very amazing on stage and i do have one last question and regarding the spoken word performance um since this is a a little bit is is a piece that is post-genre a little bit very much out there it also it uses music but it also uses spoken word performance, and I was wondering, is the spoken word um, in English or in French, considering since the choreographers are French?
4: The language, I would say, is very fragmented and more suggestive. Uh, I anticipate it will probably be delivered in English, being uh, us being in an English context or uh, pardon me, an English uh, city, but truly the context would make that the language is much more suggestive and gestural. Uh, so uh, certainly then I wouldn't want anyone to think that, you know, it's going to be in a language that they won't be able to understand because it will much more be in the language of the body, and I would say that the spoken text is really an extension of the physical gesture at hand.
3: Yeah, uh, the language of the body really does speak to all languages it speaks to the human being and um the fact that it will focus on that and not other aspects of it i think it's a piece that can be translated into really any to any for anyone
4: absolutely and that's uh, i would offer you know again the universality of dance right we all have bodies we all use gestures that express you know we shrug our shoulders when we don't know the answer we wave hello or goodbye so we all intuitively and on some you know subconscious level really do i'll use the word dance but really i'll say communicate with our body and through physical gestures so i you know that is one of the for me one of the profound possibilities of dance is that uh, you can drop it in front of all sorts of different people, regardless of where they're from, regardless of language, and everybody will experience and see something. Their place and context may slightly provide some nuance, but hopefully there'll be a universality underneath all of that that is common to all.
3: And would you like to remind us all again when Borderline is taking place?
4: Sure. So that's coming up Friday, October 26th, and Saturday, October 27th at the Vancouver Playhouse. It gets underway at 8 p.m., And there is a pre-show chat that begins at 7.15 in the upstairs lobby. And uh, that's going to be hosted by Dorothy Woodend of the Taiyi. And it will uh, be a bit of a conversation with um, Hanji and Sebastian, the two choreographers of the work.
3: Awesome. Thank you so much, Jim, for taking the time to talk to us here at CITR. I hope you have an amazing day. and Would you like to add anything
4: else? Not at all. I just want to say thank you so much for giving us a bit of airtime and coverage. We truly appreciate it, and I look forward to seeing everyone at the theater.
3: Thank you so much. Bye-bye.
4: Bye-bye.
0: Well, that was actually a really, really cool interview. I'm really glad we were able to hear it. Um, for Borderline, uh, I don't think I remember exactly. Do you know when it's, it's showing again?
3: Um it's I believe it's next week, Ooh. um right at the end of the recording, I said it, but I already forgot because i I am like that <laughs> <laughs> well, um, but yeah, it's next week, um I believe it's twenty or is it this weekend because oh no. it's twenty something I think it's might be oh man, yeah, yeah, we're like <laughs> <laughs> I literally just said it, guys, um but yeah, it seems like a really, really amazing show just because it uses dance
0: in such a in, a, in such a, a
3: different way and if you guys check out the actual trailer for the show you're gonna be like super excited about it because okay i love when circus stuff is mixed in with dance and everything kind of becomes one and as jim said uh, it goes like past a genre past one fixed thing It's like this combination and yeah this the show sounds pretty amazing and I hope it comes to Vancouver again (laughs) and again because I really want to watch it but I don't know if I'll be able to make it unfortunately.
0: Truly the hardest thing to do when you're
3: a student is to is to make plans (laughs) Make plans and make time, and then you're working and you
0: <laughs> Oh, it's coming out uh, the 26th of uh, October, so uh, that would be a Friday. It's coming out this Friday at the Dance House Vancouver Playhouse. So that's when, that's when their showing is going to be. So it's like a once-in-a-lifetime <laughs> experience. So if you're not doing any of that time, that's...
3: Well, they didn't do it... <laughs> in 2013, <laughs> <laughs> so maybe in 10 years from now,
0: get like a time machine, go back even farther. You're like, this is it. This is the new, <laughs> this is the new thing we're doing. Um, I've never actually seen a, a dance, dance <gasps> performance. You should,
3: you should. Uh, yeah,
0: I, I feel like that's definitely something I should do. <laughs>
3: yeah. Um, and this, and like, you don't have to see a classical performance, right? Um, a lot of people associate dance with ballet, and it's it's not that. Dance is so much more than that, so much further than that, and so much more inclusive than just ballet. Like ballet is the base of all dance, I would argue, um, because it does give you the training for everything else. Like everything else is built on that. Like you if you don't if you know your basics, you can do everything. And I get that some people people that don't understand dance are like, oh, contemporary dance is so easy. They're just doing weird movements. And I'm like, (laughs) to get to those weird movements that you think are so easy, you have to learn all the basics. Contemporary dancers are the best, are usually, like, a few considered, a few of the best um, classical dancers. But for one reason or another, they went into contemporary dance, like... One of I met this amazing dancer. She studied at my school, uh-huh. uh, my dance school, and my normal school as well. No coincidence, <laughs> <laughs> but she was absolutely stunning dancing. She was the kind of person that once she started moving, you could not keep your eyes off of her because there is, there was just this mesmerizing quality about her. But and she was a classical dancer, but her body type didn't didn't fit the classical bend, the classical ballet dance uh style style. like it didn't fit the body type for ballerinas and that's a construct that ballerinas are trying to break for years but it's really hard to break Mm -hmm. but basically she wasn't like really really skinny um she was skinny but like not the type that is associated with ballerinas not the type that the industry usually prefers and so um she also learned contemporary dance, and she went with contemporary dance. And she's actually—I think she studied. She studied it um, in college, or like as a major, a minor, or something like mm-hmm. that. But she is amazing, and if you see her performance, she's still mesmerizing. Like she is fuck. <laughs> no, 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 no. She not- was amazing. She is amazing <laughs> <in> dancing <laughs> classically, but she's also amazing contempor- contemporary.
0: Yeah. So every every uh, like. Kind of tentative dance, uh, um, kind of enthusiast, or even like interested in watching a dance performance. Definitely check out this contemporary work. I'm sure you'll love it. Okay, we're gonna do some ads and PSAs, and then we're gonna do another interview, which was uh, with uh, Jawbone with Jay Clark, and you're gonna really enjoy that interview. So, talk to you guys in a bit.
5: We are UBC Dance Club, one of the largest and oldest clubs on campus.
0: We offer classes taught by professionals for complete beginners in Latin and standard ballroom dancing.
5: Come check us out and learn how to wow your friends, meet new people and dance the stress from classes away.
0: Check out our website www.ubcdanceclub.com and find us on Facebook at UBC Dance Club.
5: to the jawbone on CITR 101.9 FM broadcasting from the unceded Musqueam territory of UBC's Point Grey campus. I'm Jake Clark and we have an interview today with Maria Antunes from Spark Animation Festival currently in its 10th installment. Marina, how are you doing? I'm
2: pretty good, and how are you doing up there?
5: I can't complain, life is pretty good. Excellent. Me and my playback are just residing here in the studio, looking forward to coming events, you know? And I gotta say, I was really interested to hear about Spark, because for the 10th anniversary event, you guys are partnering with Science World, is that correct? Yes. Yes, that's right. And what kind of programming does that produce? Are there any special events going on?
2: Yeah, so actually the, our partnership with Science World is really interesting. I mean, animation, when you think about it, generally speaking, the public hears animation, they think, it's stuff for kids. And, you know, there is animation for adults as well, and animation that speaks to everyone. But, you know, it, it's an automatic that you think of children. And we, some of our programming is always sort of geared towards kids. We do usually include a program in, in our festival that is specifically targeted to kids. And it's always nice when we're able to partner with a group or with um, another association that has like a direct line to kids and really Science World is the best option for that. And it kind of works out because they also currently have the Pixar exhibit and we have a couple of guests from Pixar that are attending the festival on the conference side of the festival. Um, so it just kind of worked out. So they do; they are screening a couple of really special uh, presentations and we've curated a couple of shorts programs for them that feature films that will not be screened anywhere else. They are literally only screening at Science World. So if you wanted to catch those, you would have to go to Science World see them, so that's really exciting. And we're also screening a feature film there. We're screening Sergeant Stubby and American Hero, which is a really fantastic surprisingly Canadian-made animated film about a real-life story of a corporal and his dog Stubby uh, during World War II. It's a really, doesn't sound like a heartwarming story, but it really, really is. It's a great story about friendship and adventure, and it's just really, really sweet. And it looks amazing. Sort of the dog trying to find his human? <laughs> That's right. And well, more? you know what? Yeah, yeah, pretty much, pretty much. It's about this little dog that, you know, the corporal finds this dog, adopts him, and he basically squeezes himself into his travel bag as he's making it across the water into France. And it's basically the story of, like, their adventures in France during the war. And, you know, I mean, it's wartime, and it's a kid's movie with a little cute dogs. It, it doesn't sound like it should work, but surprisingly it really does, and it's very heartwarming, and it, it's a surprisingly happy story.
5: There seems like there's some very interesting films in the festival lineup. I just saw a few. There's a short film about Tegan and Sarah, which I'm yes. assuming is a long film about the Foo Fighters.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, it really is a short film. I think it's only three minutes long. But it's directed by Anne- Anne-Marie Fleming, who is local filmmaker. She's fantastic. She's made a couple of, short, of uh, films and lots of short films. And she's produced that for the National Film Board, and it was part of an incentive to celebrate inclusivity. And, of course, Tegan and Sarah perfect for that, and I think the short is only like three minutes. It is available on the National Film Board website, but I believe, if I'm not mistaken, this might be like the theatrical premiere. So I'm very excited about that.
5: And there's another feature that features a keynote talk, if I'm correct. Is Iranian Iranian feature?
2: Yeah, that's right. Uh, The Last Fiction. Now, this was a great find for us. We've had submissions to the film festival available for a couple of years now, and we introduced feature film submissions, I think, two years ago now. So it's been kind of like a slow process trying to build that side of the festival uh, because most of the time the feature films are curated by the programming team um, and we're always looking for new material stuff from places that we may have not seen films from before and certainly an Iranian animated film is not something that comes around every day especially not a feature film that's independently produced so uh, The Last Fiction is an independently produced Iranian animated film it's the North American premiere so it's played in Europe and across Asia but it hasn't played in North America yet we will be the first that's super exciting the director is going to be joining us for a Q&A unfortunately we didn't have enough time to arrange for visas travel is kind of difficult in that it, part of the world so he is going to be joining us for a Q&A after the screening via Skype so we're really excited about it it's a really beautiful kind of more like a French style animation which is action film it has a fantasy element kind of dark I was blown away when I saw it I'm like we have to have this It's great
5: it's very interesting on my end because I actually wouldn't know if there's an Iranian style of animation or not, uh, the same way, for example, there is a Japanese yeah. style of animation that's very well known over here.
2: No, exactly, and I mean, it's, it, and it kind of falls into that line where, um, you know, it's not an area in, of the world where you see a lot of animation, at least for us, there may be animation made there, but we don't get to see a lot of it, and like you say, it, it, I don't think it has a very, like, the area has a very specific, unique style, you know, you think of anime and you automatically have an idea in your mind of what that looks like, this feels more like, to me at least, sort of the French traditional 2d animation what has this kind of very like romantic lace look to all the characters it's it's stunningly beautiful like we have a trailer on the website it's like I the opening five minutes I was so in I'm like okay I need to share this with the world
5: that sounds very interesting now I just I just have to ask this in 10 years of doing this I just want to know what the most interesting feature you've seen was or maybe one of the most definitive features bits of programming from this festival?
2: Well, to be honest, I've only been with the festival for a few years. In the past we used to show a lot of retrospectives as well. And that's not something that we've done as often over the last couple of years since I've been involved. For me, one of the best bits of programming that I've been involved in was last year when we had The Breadwinner as our opening night film. It not only was absolutely a stunning movie, it was directed by a woman so that was a big bonus for us. It's something that as a woman I always push for. It, the, this idea of inclusive and as much as we can, having women involved in the conversation and being there, I mean, it it was amazing to see so many young kids at the screening who were there because, you know, the book is really well-beloved, it's taught in school. So you had all these little girls that were reading the book that were there to see the movie and they were familiar with the story and they were really excited. And then they saw Nora, the director, and they were, like, even more excited. To see that, that was, for me, like, the moment where i kind of went okay this is why i do this because i mean this is not my full-time job it's uh, we're all volunteers spark is a nonprofit. we don't have any paid positions so we all work sort of because we love it and it's moments like that when you see these kids with these looks on their faces, and even the adults when you see these people that are so invested and they're so happy to be there to be experiencing that with you that's right there is why we do it
5: that, that does sound like an inspiring thing. When can we check this out? When and where? Uh,
2: so Spark runs, uh, it opens October the 25th. Opening night is at the um, uh, Scotiabank Theatre on Burrard Street. Uh, that's our awards ceremony and where we'll be screening all of the award-winning films. The festival then moves over to the Van City Theatre and we we'll are there for the weekend. So on the October the 26th to the 28th, three days of programming there. And then on the conference side, the conference runs on Saturday and Sunday at Emily Carr, the new campus. On, I want to say it's fourth, but I don't have the address in front of me, so I feel bad.
5: (laughs) Well, check it out. Marina, it was a pleasure to have you.
2: Thank you so much for the time. I really appreciate it. Cheers. Best of luck with the festival. Thank you.
0: Well, that was a really interesting interview. That honestly is really cool. Like, animation stuff is always like my jam, so just like seeing that and like gonna see like a festival for it that'll be really really cool um so there's a as i was talking about like a vr experience uh the uh if you saw them during the french festival which is it's been a while since we've talked about the french festival but uh there was a fake ghost tour tour uh that was really really fun i went to go check it out and they're doing a vr of their uh tour which will be really fun uh The two the two leads are so hilarious. Like I had such a great time uh, going on that tour that I'm really excited to check out their VR. Um, And then it'll just be like kind of like a really cool uh, Halloween special for everyone out there looking to like stay home for Halloween and just like watch scary movies. You guys can enjoy like a VR experience of the fake ghost tour. Um, So that'll be really really cool. I mean besides like. Staying home and watching, like, horror movies. Uh, it's always nice to do, like, fake uh, ghost tours. I've never actually been on one, but um, <laughs> I'm sure that we have... I'm pretty sure Vancouver has, like, a lot of ghost tours everywhere. I remember uh, doing, like, a like a tourism job and talking about um, a lot of, like, spooky haunted places in Vancouver. So that's also that's fun I guess I don't like knowing exactly when uh some something happened at a building that I live near or like live in the area of so I think that the fake ghost is a little bit better in that it's not true and a lot more funnier and yeah so they're doing that so that's a really cool thing um again for uh other stuff that you guys can do this uh spooktober at the uh improv (laughs) the hockey improv the sports improv club uh is doing spooktober which is really really cool another improv show which focuses on doing a lot of cool improv uh games that are all different horror filled so that'll be a lot of fun yeah uh so we're gonna just kind of close off a little earlier Uh, Up next is going to be the medicine show and they're going to do some really cool stuff as usual. I hope you guys enjoy. Okay, we'll see you guys next Wednesday. Bye!